welcome to another episode of Talks Too Much in Class. My name is Rob Harsh. And I am Tracy Chen. And I wish you could see Rob with his uh, Roadcaster <laughs> um, DJ board. It looks Class like a little a DJ. Servo I don't know. Preamps. It just reminds me like you're like a wannabe DJ with your headphones on and the yeah. little board. Yeah, you're, we, you're we way have, cool. We have, we have really evolved our podcast since we started our first one. We, we were using web-based platform to record and house all the shows, right? And now yeah. I got this fancy, cool road podcaster studio. It's pretty awesome. It is really awesome. Are you bagging on it? No, I think it's awesome. But it's funny because I, I, we're going to talk today about how we have evolved as educators. Yeah. And our topic today is some of the worst lessons. And I'm trying, not, I'm trying to say this without laughing. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of the worst lessons that we've taught. Some of the best lessons, maybe. And maybe ones that just, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Went sideways. Okay. You Do you want to start? Um, you go for it, because I need to, I don't actually need time, but I just well, want to hear yours first. I want to say, when, when I said that we should talk about, like, lessons that we have totally bombed at. Yeah. Rob's response was that he didn't really have any lessons that he had bombed on because he's such a great, amazing educator. And um, he couldn't <laughs> think back to a time where he had a lesson bomb. And no, I, I, I've had quite a few. I, on the other hand, have so many yeah. that I was trying to think of, like, do I, do I use the one from last week or do I use the one from, like, my first year? So um, I think the first thing is, is going back in time. Okay. How far? Go oh back to the back to when I first started. I I really feel like I need to apologize to everyone I had. <laughs> if you were if you were my student, um, it's you know like those those cheesy commercials where they they say like, if you were exposed to blah blah blah, you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I feel like there's going to be an advertisement yeah. on the TV that's like, if you had Tracy Chun if as you a were teacher exposed to a Tracy Chun lesson. Yes, in the years from 1998 to yeah. 1999 or 2000. You may be entitled to some cash. You might be entitled, yeah, to, yeah, because your education was, <laughs> you know. But oh, that's funny. I, I honestly, like, looking back my yeah. first two years, I, I owe some people probably some pretty big apologies. But um, Wow. I, I, not really. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't, like, completely no, screw somebody up. No, I think you're being up. serious. But again, again, I taught high school. I feel like... If you teach first grade or second grade and you have a bad year, whew, those kids are screwed up for life. Or yeah. yeah. my kids, you know, their high school kids are kind of already, no, I'm kidding. But yeah. no, I just was trying to think of brainstorm ideas of what are some lessons where I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then it was like, after that fact, it just didn't work out. So I have a couple. One was when I was teaching social studies and okay. I had created this lesson around a map and I was really proud of myself and I thought I'd you know, <laughs> created this really like... There's where you went wrong right there. Right, you were proud of yourself. <laughs> I thought I'd crafted this really great lesson. Yeah. And then it was like I did the lesson. I don't remember. I don't even remember what it was. I mean, this is honestly probably 1998. Okay. And I did this lesson and um, several weeks later, yeah. several weeks later when I was kind of wrapping up the unit and trying to figure out like the unit test and all that stuff, okay. I realized that I had completely taught wrong information like I had used a map that was like the country's I yeah it was just really bad oh my gosh and a kid pointed it out a kid was like when we were again wrapping up the unit it said something like do you know that you showed us you know this map and it's like not even correct and, and why didn't he speak up earlier 
I don't know. Same thing with, I have, yeah. a, I have another similar story when I was teaching freshman English. And I, and again, I want to say we were reading a novel and it wasn't Animal Farm, but it was a novel. Mm-hmm. And it had language that was very specific to, uh, maybe it was sophomore English, <laughs> that was very specific to, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. Like, uh, it was very specific language. Okay. It was very, like, specific to a topic that I was not oh, familiar with. Oh, okay. But I'm reading aloud to my students, trying to be knowledgeable. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the teacher. I know what I'm doing. And I'm reading. <laughs> and you I don't. Exactly. And I had a kid like, and this is again, like I'm teaching like five periods of yeah. freshman English. And it's like the last period when finally a student raises their hand. They're like, Mrs. Chun, that's not how you say that. It's not pronounced, you know, Rob. It's pronounced robe. Or, and I was like, oh, are you, are you sure about that? All day long, I had said it, you know, incorrectly. But so those are some things that obviously like right away I think of when I've screwed up. But um, I obviously have lessons that have bombed. But again, if I could just go back and apologize, I think as a new educator, and you can probably talk about this too. As a new educator, I was scared to ask for help because if I asked for help, it meant I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't professional. So I just a lot of times would just like bury myself in yeah. and like stick to my own stuff and hope, hope for the best. Sure. Cause I wasn't going to ask for help. Yeah. What about you? What about your first so years? So I, <clears throat> well, I, d- I don't remember much from my first five years in terms of <laughs> lessons being really stellar or just being, you know, in the, in the right. tanker. But I, <laughs> one lesson that stood out when I, uh, taught a two-three split one year, right? So very challenging split. Yeah, the principal at the time had given me benchmark third graders and then advanced second graders. Okay, makes on sense. this on this continuum of you know strategic intensive blah blah blah, right? And I remember it being a math lesson, and math was and still is to this day not my strong suit <laughs> and a word problem came up and I could not, could not <laughs> for the life of me figure out a third grade freaking math problem. And I swore, I said shit in front of every <laughs> single kid. So I was on the phone that night calling parents, Oh my gosh. you know, and I had one kid say, Mr. Arsh, it's okay. Math gets the best of all of us. And I go, you know, Dylan, it does. So you were apologizing not only for not knowing the third grade content, but also the explicit language. Yeah, the explicit language. They had gone to recess because I was still racking my brain during their recess trying to figure this out. And I had to walk over to a colleague and go, I just swore in front of my entire class. And I didn't even realize I said it. Because they were working on, they were trying to work on the problem. I'm trying to work on the problem. And in my breath, under my breath, I just go... and they all heard it though of course and uh the principal she was very understanding she (laughs) was embarrassing you know so that's i guess what but okay in terms of the lesson itself yeah it tanked because i could not do this simple problem okay but but knowing now right knowing now what you know but then it happened again last week. No, I had to, yeah, I had to go sub in a <laughs> not the swearing in front of the kids, but the the getting up in front of these fourth grade students. I I, I was asked to go sub. Okay, 
uh, fill in. And I was happy to do that. And math comes, you know, and I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm having flashbacks to that two, three split class. Cause the math just, it was, it was decimal converting, uh, fractions, fractions to, or no decimals to fractions. And oh my gosh, I haven't done that stuff since I was in high school or, you know, middle school. So yeah, it just, I, 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 had them do it the easiest way possible and just add the two numbers. It was horrible. It was horrible. Well, it's funny that you say that because I just, um, I covered for a math class last week and, um, one of my TAs was kind of hanging out with me and this kid raised his hand and I said to my TA, this is my worst nightmare. This kid's going to ask me for help on this math problem and I'm going to be clueless. And so, yeah. yeah. yeah, So the guy, you know, I kind of motioned and he kind of came up and I said, what's going on? How can I help? And he said, Hey, is it possible for me to turn in my library book directly to you? (laughs) And I was like, yes, I I know the answer to this one. Did you say, did you yell at him? Yes, I did. I was like, yes. uh, Okay. Thanks. Yes. And well, then I kind of can, I confessed. I said, I was go, terrified I, you, you were going to ask me a math question. Yes. And I was going to have to say, I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. And you would see my brain shoot right out my ears. I yeah. think, though, that that is kind of, as a teacher, I think we need to give permission to say to kids, hey, you know what? I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to I do think everything. More, yeah. And I think more so now that kids have devices in their hands, right? iPads, Chromebooks, whatever, laptops. Yeah. They've got a calculator 24-7 in their hand. I think, yeah. And, you know, me being just hyper-reflective of my lessons and whatnot, I, I I didn't do this then because I didn't know. But I wish I could have had the foresight to maybe record some of those lessons. Like that math lesson, that 2-3 split lesson, right? I wish I could have recorded that. On and, VHS? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out the... 80 cam pound quarter. camcorder no that but just watch what i listen to what i say and how i deliver the instruction right well or even just kind of feedback let's like i never and, asked my kids for feedback like looking back to my first few years of classroom teaching you know i never i, I mean obviously i graded their papers i graded their tests i knew how, how they were learning but i never actually asked for their feedback mm-hmm. and i think that that's one thing that I'm hoping I'm better at now is I'm able to stop and either give them an exit ticket or even just pull a student aside and say, Hey, how did today go? Like, was it, was I going too fast? Yeah. Was I going too slow? Like, but I think too, you learn to kind of read the room as you grow too, yeah. as an educator. Yeah, I, I agree. Know. No, I agree. I think that, you know, even in asking kids, like where, where could I improve? Well, another thing too is, and don't you think? Yes, but I think the other thing too is, that especially this happens at secondary, is like I've been in the same, in this situation where I had that year, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, where I taught five periods of freshman English. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, I'm either going to cry every day or I'm going to have to drink every day. Like one of those things is going to happen because this is really brutal. Mm-hmm. And part of it being brutal is because you're doing the same thing over and over again. And so you think in your mind that you're doing what's best. But the thing, the reality is, is every group of kids that comes in is a different group of kids. So you have to adjust. So Mm -hmm. schools, right? Like if you think like in on paper, oh, it's easy. You teach, you only have, you know, freshman English, you only have to plan for one content. But really, if you are a strong educator, you're not planning just one because every class is a little bit different and you have to adjust. Every class is different. And then it also allows for the best action research because you can pivot between each period. 
Right. I used to do that all the time when I taught middle school and I taught language arts and social studies. And then I always joked with the, the, um, last block of the day that they got the best lesson always because I had tweaked it and modified, right. you know, see, I was always, I was always like the middle, like the third or fourth time was always my best by the time. Really? It, oh gosh. Yeah. Like my sixth period class, those freshmen, I even know some of those kids oh. still, they're not kids. They're like 40, but I, yes. Cause they would come in and they would raise their hand and I'd be like, I know what you're going to ask, put your hand down. I've already done this four times. I know what you're going to ask. I'm not very good at pivoting. I'm still not very good at pivoting. Really? No, you've taught with me. You've seen, like, in my mind, if I have a job to get done and I want them to learn this or I want them to complete this, I have a hard time pivoting. Oh. Now, I I don't have a hard time getting off track. Obviously, I'm the queen of getting off task. Mm -hmm. But in terms of pivoting (laughs) content. (laughs) That was my no argument here. Yeah, I know, right? Mm. Yeah, you see me teach. (laughs) It's like, oh, wait, something shiny. Let's talk about that. Well, that's me too. Well, that's all right. But I think, I don't know. But obviously we've had some good lessons. We had some good lessons together. We have. We have. I, how many did we teach together? I don't know. Remember that first year when we had the, we, we had the iPads and we had to do like, we even did a couple evening classes. Remember? Yeah. And then we had for parents and then we had. The parent one was really fun. Mm-hmm. Except for. The, and again, again, that is something where I wish someone could have recorded that yeah just so to see how we were responding to parent questions because when you're in the moment you're just like you have that frank the tank from old school where he it's all ethereal (laughs) you know and then when he's done he can't remember what he said yes and you you think did i cover this did i talk about this yeah so that's why i think um recording teachers we when the pandemic hit and we started to come back we got all these swivels right right yeah, that's kind of a good, sore subject, kind of a sore, exposed nerve for some people. Uh-huh. But that those are pretty cool tools because you could use those to record yourself right in the classroom Absolutely. and watch your lesson and see how well, it only, does. And, ha- you know, yeah, not only that, you can also even use it to reteach if you have a kid that's absent or you have yeah. a student, you're teaching some you know, concept that you're teaching math, converting oh, decimals yeah. to fractions, you know, you can also just have it readily available. Like, oh, hey. You could upload the whole video, right, to the and Canvas I think that, or whatever, LMS. Yes. And, so interesting little side note yeah. is, um, you know, my son is graduating from high school this year. Mm-hmm. And um, he is kind of going through the process of getting enrolled in school and looking at what classes he's college classes is going to take next year. And there are so many college courses now that are online. And I, looking at a schedule, I was like, oh, okay, it's, maybe you'll do a Zoom, you know, and, and it's, no. And, and it's because basically professors are recording themselves. They record a lesson and they make it available for the whole week. Kids watch it, or not kids, students watch it when it's available. They take notes on it. They read whatever assigned readings are or whatever. They do the activity and then they go to the next week. But professors, think about it. If you are a, an English 101 professor and you have a different video for every week, you have to make those videos one time. And then you, how many how many quarters can you teach with that content? It's like the ultimate and mm-hmm. also lazy teaching. But I was shocked at how many classes, college classes, are being taught that way still at this point after the pandemic. It mm-hmm. really surprised me. Because I thought, I just assumed, oh, okay, you know. Oh, you mean the the... the- professors are just kind of or the classes online or it's hybrid and mm-hmm. not really adjusting and mm-hmm. oh 
Wow. It's kind of interesting. I don't know that. But no. is, 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 is your son doing that right now? No, he's look, he's enrolling he's for the fall. Okay, he's going to take it one in the summer. But, but so then I started talking to my other students who are running start students. Yeah. Like, is this something that's kind of, you're seeing like this common theme. And of course it's early on to know if they're really recycling, they could be making new videos. But if you think about it, it's good in both ways. It's good and bad, right? Recording your recording yourself as a teacher is good in that you can give it to kids to reteach. You mm-hmm. can give it to kids who are absent. They can rewatch the video a million times. We have this amazing art teacher in my building, and she does videos on how to do a particular technique. Mm-hmm. Those kids can watch it. They can pause it. They can over and over and over again, right? But it's that great. doesn't change, right? Right, right. Art but, technique doesn't change, but then info yeah, does. right. Oh, I see. Okay. So, but then I'm saying the bad side of recording is, is you could have a teacher that's like, you know, it's day 42, it's video 42, push play, here we go. Yeah. And doesn't, and then again, they have to go back and apologize to those students in five years when they know better, just like me. Yeah. All (laughs) right. Well, let's, let's switch gears here. What are some, what are one or a couple stellar lessons that you've had? I think when I, in my mind, whenever I think of a successful lesson, yeah. I think that it, for me personally, it's all about engagement. Mm-hmm. It's not even about if the kid or the student learned the content. Yeah. Because especially as a librarian, I don't often get to see the other side of it, right? I don't ever get to see the assessment side of it. I just get to see that in the moment. Mm-hmm. So even as an English teacher, I think my most successful lessons are ones where every kid has bought into it. And is actively doing something. Yeah. So it could be loud. It Mm -hmm. can be messy. It it might be quiet too. But I think that for me, when I look back on teaching successes, it wasn't a test that everybody passed. It wasn't um, an activity that everybody turned in. It really was something that we did that was really fun. So one thing we did um, when I did, uh, when we taught freshman block, we did a team building activity where we did gingerbread houses. Oh, and again, you wouldn't think of it academic, but they had to do math. They had to do writing. They had to put, it was all these elements or whatever. But almost every single kid wanted to participate and they all did. Um, That's awesome. I know. And then I did this, we did this poetry unit way back when, and I had students do paper mache masks. Mm-hmm. And again, it was hands-on. It was crafty. This is obviously low tech, before tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single student even my students who hadn't done any other assignment or hadn't written a single poem were willing to create a mask mm. with words on it and a poem on the inside because it was different. Oh, that's cool. But now with technology, mm-hmm. I think there's so many different ways to get kids engaged. And I think for me personally, I think it's all about choice, right? Those two examples I just gave were not choice, right? I told kids they had to do it. But I think nowadays moving forward, I think when I think of successful lessons in a classroom, I think choice and engagement. What about you? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I've had a great opportunity being the makerspace teacher here at this school now for the fifth year. This is my fifth year. That's crazy. I know. I know. And one of the best lessons that I, I, and I really didn't teach. It was just the delivery of here's what you're doing. Right. It was facilitation. There you go. So the project was, and I did this with multiple grade levels and at every grade level, every single one kid was engaged because I gave them a choice. Yeah. You give them choice. So the project was, and I'm going to kind of reference a fifth grade uh, level here. 
we did a make your own board game or how do you make your own fun? So Oh, kids, I remember this. The kids had to design a board game that could be played during a super rainy day recess. Like we don't get a whole lot of those here in Vancouver, right? Well, we, right, but we or, make them go out and play in the yes. rain. But downpours, sure. So I said lightning, thunder. Yeah, I said you have to design a board game that has all the parts that you actually will take back to class and play, keep all the parts, you know, have a rule sheet and that you could actually play. But I want you to build it around a passion that you and your partner can agree on. Right. And so <clears throat> I created this presentation for them to kind of watch. And I went through it and gave them some examples of like, what are some passions? Like, for example, uh, some kids love manga. Right. Mm -hmm. Some kids love uh, soccer, soccer, sports, music. Um, we had I specifically remember this one awesome project where these two boys loved minions. Right. Oh, yeah. Love minions. So they took some foam blocks. Some I had some uh, blank foam blocks. Uh, they found blue and yellow. They glued them together and then drew minions. On faces. these little foam blocks. They took little, the googly eyes and glued the googly eyes on. It was amazing. And those were the token, the game pieces, right? They did this elaborate pathway on the board. I mean, they had, it was a legit playable game. Everything related back to uh, elements from Despicable Me, right? So right. you landed on, if you rolled the dice and you landed on, the, it says like, uh, you dropped your ice cream. Gru got mad because he cleaned it up. Go back three spots, you know, some. It was awesome. a lot of thought. And it was a lot yeah. of thought. I mean, they were really creative. The critical thinking was there. They connected it to the the movies, um, and they were super proud of it. And you know, as as I was driving home that night, I was thinking about the day, and I just thought, I hope those two guys remember that when they're seniors. And I bet you they will. Yeah. I, I and how do we get more opportunities like that for our kids? I remember, I still, I'm 49, and I still remember a project that I did back in sixth grade in Mr. McMillan's class where we had to pick a, uh, from a list of these famous authors at the time, and I picked Mark Twain, not knowing a thing about him, really, <laughs> right? Right. Well, um, so I wrote a little ditty on him did this little trifold cutout. That was fun. But what was really, what really sealed the, the whole project and Mr. McMillan gave me an A on it um, was that up on the board, up on the bulletin board, he had these characters, these, these, these clip art characters of famous characters in right, books. Right. Well, one of them was Huckleberry Finn. So I drew it just by looking. And I'm, a, I'm not an wow. artist by any means. No, my mom's an artist, but she never really formally taught me. But I just look, I remember looking up at the wall and drawing it and then looking at my paper and drawing it. And it was so good that the it got entered in some contest for our... Wow. You know, God, do you remember back in the day when oh, yeah. we had pie socials? Oh yeah, Did you ever have pie socials. Yes. Yeah, we, it, it was on the art. You were wall. a big deal. That was, was big time, and it was fun. And I remember, and I had it up until I was probably your mom had probably still has it. Did yeah. your mom have it? No, oh. I mean I kept it such a long time that it just got frayed. I thought that story was going to go a completely different what? direction. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say like, and then I put on this white wig and I and went to school dressed up as Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was I was waiting for that. And I was waiting for some, some kind of chicken. Rob. Oh, that's wrong character. Wrong character. Colonel that was Sanders. Colonel Sanders. Close. <laughs> Close, closely look alike. Yeah, I thought for sure that's where you were oh, headed. Oh, I'm so red from love. No, the, but the, I keep pointing to the wall here. I know, um, the drawing of Mark the Twain. The drawing of Mark Twain. No, or Huckleberry Finn. No, the, what made it rememberable or. Memorable. Memorable, good God, was that the project was fun. Because I got to pick the author. Right. From this, I mean, it was, I, Teacher generated list. Right. In but we sixth didn't grade, we're choosing Mark Twain. Yeah, That's pretty, pretty deep there. Well, I didn't know, but but was fun was I connected to it the minute I started to learn about him. Right. I thought, whoa. And so then after that, my dad and I read Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. And so then you got a Mark Twain costume. And then I got a Mark <laughs> Twain costume with my bucket of chicken. Yeah, hybrid, hybrid, hybrid costume. Well, you are from Pendleton, no, Oregon. But that's so what I'm that saying sense. is that that's what was made it fun. Yeah. Because you remember the hands-on stuff, like you were saying. You remember the hands-on stuff. Right. You remember the projects. You don't remember the final you took. Yeah. Yeah. No. But again, apologies to every student I had from the years, you know, whatever to whatever. Because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was pretty strict. And I wasn't a lot of fun. And looking back, I probably could have been a lot more fun. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. But see, and... To, for me to like we were what I was talking about earlier is like recording yourself right and watching yourself in this space that's hard to do oh for sure that's hard because there's so much going on and it's not really direct instruction no. um, but hopefully that's happening in a classroom too what do you mean it's not just direct instruction the whole time no no and it but, shouldn't be but sometimes it is I mean I guess it depends on the content area and the yeah. level I mean you can't teach calculus by donning a but see, we also Mark Twain costume. <laughs> we also, you know, years ago, our principal at the school where I'm at right now <clears throat> had some money and would pay us to go on learning walks. Mm-hmm, we have and that. I thought that was really beneficial because then you could see your colleagues teaching. You could see what was in their room on their walls. Well, that's what ideas. I love about being a librarian. Yeah. Is you know, I I've been subbing a lot lately. Um, as you know, we've got oh, a yeah. sub, sub shortage and it's funny because people are always like, Oh, do you just hate subbing? And I'm like, no, I love it. No, it's fun. I love it for a couple of reasons. One is, yeah, I mean, it adds a little bit of layer of work to my workload that maybe I have to do at another time, but I get to see where the kids are at. I get an idea of what's happening in the building that I don't see from my lens. Mm-hmm. I, it reminds kids that I am a teacher. It also reminds students that I'm there to help them. Um, but I love it. I think I it's... I do too. I initially, when they come in and say, oh, okay, we need you to sub today, I go, oh. oh. yeah. But then when I get in the room and I get yeah. in the game You're like, phase, oh, wait, this is kind of fun. I do. I kind of, yeah. It's It, it uh-huh. makes me nostalgic for those days when I did. I have been out of the classroom now, the gen ed classroom for... Since like 10 years. Since 2013 was my last year. Oh, my last year is longer than that. So it was fun to sub in that fourth grade classroom. I've subbed in third. Oh, for sure. Even to even. Even the math class. Even the math class is fun. It's a little stressful, nerve wracking. When I go in, I still am reflective of how did I teach the lesson for that teacher? Here's what he or she requested, right? How did I fare? Oh, I'm not. I'm completely off task the whole time talking to the kids. (laughs) Saying like, oh, sorry. Oh, gosh, you were supposed to get through page 42. Uh, oh, I've had a couple just of Just tell your teacher yeah, talk I talked to you the whole time. I would say 
kind of in closing here that if you have the opportunity to ever record yourself, just do it. I would. I think if I go back into a gen ed class, I totally would do that. I get one of those swivels. And like you said earlier, it's great because then you could push that out to any kids that were maybe sick. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Anytime you're teaching something that's like content that you need the kids to actually get from direct instruction. Did you ever hear a principal I worked with up at, uh, when I was teaching at the middle school had said to me, and I might be, I might have the percentage off that if 80% or more, maybe it's 88% or more past the final test, then everything that you taught was successful. Have you heard of that? No, but again, I think that that's kind of misleading though, or because unit. yeah, because again, if I'm teaching English, it's so much more than just what they can show on a test. I want them, like and you I said, may have butchered that to be well. No, it's probably point. accurate. But know. I'm just saying, like, how do you how do you measure cooperation? How do you measure how do you measure collaboration? Right. Yeah. How do you how do you? It's really hard to measure those things, and those are the things that those kids are going to need to be successful in school or not yeah. school in life. Yeah. So, I right. agree. Next time, can we talk about our favorite podcasts? Both education and non, because I... I think it's probably going to sway more toward non. I spent a lot of time this last weekend <laughs> listening to some pretty funny podcasts that were not ours. Well, I pushed out a tweet to Weston Kishnick. Did you see it? I did see that. And he replied. So shout out to Weston. Uh, he's awesome. I love his show. He and Molly, his wife, Molly, Teaching Keating. We'll talk about it we'll next time. We'll talk about the next time. Yeah. Some other podcasts you want to tune into. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode. We hope you learned a little something and uh, we'll talk to you later.